My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very warm spring morning here in the capital and I'm delighted to say that joining me on today's show to hopefully add even more brightness to affairs today is Alexandra Samara, Director of Early Years at Education Company Alpha Plus Group Limited and Founder and Director of the Alpha Blocks Nursery School. Um, Alexandra, very warm welcome to yourself today and thank you ever so much by all means for joining us. It's a real pleasure having you. It's lovely being um, here with you and um, uh, discussing about some of the um, challenges and and positives um, for early years for the the last uh, year and a bit. Yeah, and there's certainly plenty to uh, to discuss on that front, um, isn't there? And we'll be getting on to uh, to that very shortly. Um, Just to sort of give a little bit of background on sort of yourself and your organisation then, um, Alexandra, just for those listeners that might not be familiar with you. Um, I understand that you founded Alpha Blocks yourself um, about seven years ago now, and before that you were working as an early years teacher and manager. Um, did you always know that when you began working in the industry, that maybe going and founding your own early years provider was going to be the way forward for you? Uh, no, actually, for a very long time, I was um, thinking that uh, that that seems like a very distant possibility. I think probably because I understood the field quite well and I understood some of the challenges in uh, either staff recruitment and retention or um, uh, government funding uh, or just, you know, finding the, the right premises. So um, it, it wasn't on my mind at all. It, it was actually an idea that, that came quite later on and I sort of was encouraged by my husband and it it was really when we were looking for childcare for our own children that it was very difficult to find something that we knew was a little bit more than daycare and it was focusing on on early education Um, and I think because um, I obviously knew the field really well (laughs) my expectation uh, my expectations as a a parent were obviously uh, a lot higher so um, I was looking for uh, for provision in the area, and I couldn't find anything um, remotely interesting as to what I was used to in Kensington and Chelsea when I was working as an advisor. Mm. And it was um, my husband who prompted me and said, "Well, you've been advising nurseries and schools for years on how they can improve their educational practice. How about doing it as a project?" And I think that was what I found quite interesting. And the fact that it started as a project, can I put my knowledge and my knowledge and understanding into practice in setting up a a school from scratch? Um, And we took it really, really easy, uh, worked for about uh, over six months, just defining the the mission statement and the ethos, what we would like out of Alpha Blocks, what would be our pedagogical approach. And then start start exploring some of the practicalities of it, you know, finding the right premises, what would be the right location, and then obviously moving on to um, other things like like staffing and and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's fantastic. So basically, from your personal experience, you kind of identified a gap in the provision market, and you've gone in and used this project to fill that gap, which is absolutely amazing. And um, I suppose as well, um, you talk about, of course, your experience, how that's uh, sort of proved invaluable. 
Um, do you think sort of when it comes to sort of leadership, especially that maybe experience and going out there, maybe trying things, taking the plunge, maybe having the odd setback and learning from that. Do you think from your experience that that's essentially um, really important to one's development? Absolutely. And I think it gives you a completely different insight doing it to potentially the understanding that you have when you are, a, you know, a, an advisor or a manager or when you're doing it and you have other people to support you. It's, it's completely, it's a completely different experience because obviously you are responsible for taking all of the decisions, the good ones and the bad ones and consequences come, uh, you know, with your decision. So, um, you know, difficult decisions as, you know, we have got some interest, but we haven't got enough interest to uh, open up another classroom. What do we do? Do we go ahead with recruiting another teacher and, and being ready for, for that future demand? Or do we just sit and wait? Um, so all, all of those decisions, it, it's been brilliant from, from budgeting to um, the practical aspects of, of running a school. Um, it has given me a completely different insight. Yeah, I can imagine so. And of course, running any business, let alone, of course, one in the early years uh, sector as you do, doesn't come without its challenges. And I think it's fair to say that across so many industries, we've been faced with an incredible challenge over the last two years with the emergence of the COVID-19 pandemic. And that has had an incredible effect on the early years sector and education at large. How was it operationally dealing with that, do you think? Oh, without a uh, with, without a shadow of a doubt, it's been really challenging for uh, for the whole of the educational sector, I think, but but even more so for, for early years. Um, when we first went into um, the lockdown, we were very clear um, as a setting uh, that we didn't want to stop the contact that we were having uh, with our families, that we still wanted to um, teach our children remotely. We had a lot of discussions within the team about what does remote learning look like for very young children. And we had to do an awful lot of learning really, really quickly. Um, you know, um, training the staff in terms of their IT skills, um, planning and, and filming uh, teaching sessions, um, having debates about whether it's possible and what what is better educational is a remote learning session better for our children or is it a or is a recorded lesson uh, better for our children what works for, for parents and not and there was a constant amount of readjustment so we would try things we would see whether they were working or not working for our families and then we would go back and, and readjust them um so we've definitely learned an awful lot from um, teaching the children remotely. And then the other big challenge has been keeping up with the government guidelines all the time and make mm. sure that all of our documentation uh, was in place, you know, that we had a thorough enough risk assessment, that that was communicated to the parents. Um, we would usually put together a parent guide so parents were clear about what to expect. Um, in terms of the, uh, the teaching that was going on um, and also in terms of the health and safety guidelines, then a separate um, guide for staff. I think every teacher probably would say that um, since COVID uh, has arrived in the UK, it's been absolutely full on in terms of trialing things, readjusting, trialing new things and then keeping up with government standards. Yeah, it's essentially been sort of trial and error, hasn't it? Kind of learning on the spot because it was a new virus, especially in the early days. We didn't know an awful amount about it. And so 
guidelines were updating almost by the day and you're finding mm-hmm. yourself in that position having to kind of literally think on your feet and having to adjust to certain measures at very, very short notice. And I suppose when you're used to being able to plan ahead several days, several weeks, several months, maybe even years, and then all of a sudden that is taken away from you, it makes things very difficult from an operational perspective, doesn't it? Because you almost feel like you're sat there just waiting for the next thing to happen. Absolutely. And, and again, the parents are, and, and the staff actually, the parents are looking to you as the expert. What advice can you give us? What can you tell us more? How can you alleviate some of our fears? Um, and then, of course, different parents had different concerns. So there were some of the parents that the health and safety concern would be um, more important for them, maybe because they had vulnerable uh, family members at home, maybe because they were worried about their own health. So they would want to know about, you know, how how do we make the environment safe? For some other uh, parents, it would be the educational value. Uh, and they would question things around, you know, how many compromises you make. And, and we had to make a lot of compromises in terms of resources that were not used, um, you know, b- because of the health and safety concerns. And, you know, visits, educational visits that didn't happen, visitors and specialist teachers that didn't come in to minimize the um, the risk for the children. And so obviously you had to, you know, we had to um, appear that we knew what we were doing and, and we knew we would usually read the literature and make sense of it and, and try to find out, okay, what does work best for Alpha Blocks and, and our families and how can we justify different decisions we're making um, to our parents? Yeah, it makes perfect sense uh, from my perspective because everybody is looking to you for the information, for the insight. And obviously you've got to, as sort of the leader, let's say, really give off that impression that, you know, you're in charge of the situation. And it can be very difficult when you literally don't know what's around the corner. And you talked as well, um, Alexandra, about um, sort of having to manage some of the sort of the fears that parents had and alleviate some of those concerns. And since through the pandemic, we've become far more aware of our own mental health as well as our own physical health. Um, what was it like sort of trying to manage the anxieties that obviously the parents were feeling, maybe some of the children and also your staff members as well? Because I can imagine trying to take charge of that situation, particularly in the early days, was also quite challenging. Absolutely. Uh, and again, we tried to do everything in, in the best possible way we could. So when we were allowed to go back after the first lockdown, parents had a lot of concerns and, and worries and they wanted to do the best for their children. So we had a, a group of um, parents whose children would have um, moved into primary the, the following September. So they wanted the children to come back. They wanted to have that a very important time back in nursery school, but they were also very concerned. So um, again, we've uh, put a very detailed risk assessment in place. Uh, we uh, met with the parents several times before we were allowed to go in. We tackled any concerns and, and any worries that they had. And we made sure that there was common understanding across the team as well in terms of, you know, did the teachers feel safe, safe enough uh, to be back with, with the children but I think because early years and the very young children were highlighted early enough as one of the low risk groups um, obviously that doesn't mean that there is no risk involved um, however the risk was very low that, that's something that I think has helped 
um, the parents to come in. Um, we have had very honest discussions with our parents in terms of how difficult it has been to try and manage uh, working remotely and having the children at home, um, how much support the children needed in terms of the online lessons and how valuable they found the time to discuss the children's progress and any worries and concerns that they had during the period of the lockdown with the children's uh, key teachers. So I think that contact made a big difference for us as teachers keeping up um, with anything that was happening with our families, but I think for our families as well, even more so. Yeah, and that contact, maintaining that contact, maintaining that communication, I can imagine that you sort of really prioritise that because the, the early years education, I mean, it's incredibly important for young children, isn't it? Because it sets them up to go on through the rest of life, through primary education, through higher education. And um, if that, if obviously with the disruption of the pandemic, that sort of formative years education in the early year setting doesn't go well, that will then affect them likely for the rest of their lives, won't it? So it must have been so, so vital to make sure that you were keeping up to date, keeping up in touch with the parents and just making sure that, you know, their progress was being monitored properly. Absolutely. And I think now we start seeing uh, a lot more reports coming out. There is the um, lockdown baby report that has come out. There's uh, reports by the Department of Health coming out, by Ofsted in terms of what are the findings of the effects of, of the effect of the pandemic on on very young children's development and you know over 70 percent of parents report that the, the pandemic has had an, a very negative effect on their children's development and highlight the need for intervention so i think for us as well is the children that they would be coming through our classroom next september they have lived most of their life in lockdown and would have, you know, their development would have suffered. They wouldn't have had the opportunity to go and visit mother toddler groups and do all of the usual things that uh, very young children do with their parents. So we're very mindful about assessing their development when they arrive in our classroom and thinking about what are some of the relevant, um, you know, interventions we want to put in place to make sure that those children um, catch up, uh, you know, early enough because we know that you know, the systems we put in early years will have a, you know, a big influence on what's happened later on in their life. Mm, it will, absolutely right. And just reflecting sort of by and large on the whole kind of pandemic experience from the beginning uh, when sort of the lockdown started in sort of March 2020 up to this point where sort of social restrictions are now gone for the time being and hopefully that will remain the case. Um, do you feel that even despite the immense challenge and the immense disruption that you've come away from this really having learned something about yourself, about your team and about those parents um, and families that you work with? Oh, absolutely. Um, we've definitely learned an awful lot about online learning and, and remote learning and how that can really work um, with, with very young children. We've learned an awful lot about involving our parents and, and educating our parents about what does early learning look like and um, and we had really interesting conversations with our parents because obviously they were there, they were supporting their children during some of the lessons and they, they could see why we do certain things in, in a specific way. But, you know, I must say it's been absolutely delightful to be able to, um, you know, operate as normally and start 
um, you know, having the visitors in, uh, planning educational visits where mm. we can go to the theater. We can do all of those lovely things that we were doing uh, as an early year setting before. And, you know, having the parents in the classroom, you know, they haven't been able to see the classroom for the last two years. They haven't been able to come and read a story to their children. Uh, and while involvement remotely has been absolutely great, I think there's definitely um, a lot of effects. Uh, a lot positive effects of having parents there physically to do activities uh, and read stories to their children. Yeah, exactly. Sort of the remote side of things had almost been the sole route during the lockdown out of necessity, really. And now it's sort of been brought into the fold along with all of the conventional stuff, isn't it? To really sort of bolster that educational offering. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And as you sort of seek to really take advantage of that, Alexandra, and really take that forward over the uh, the next few months and indeed years, um, I'd be interested to understand more just before we finish up on what your, sort of your immediate plans are for Alpha Blocks moving forward. And over this next sort of 12 months, this year, 2022, what is it that you're really sort of hoping to achieve? I think before thinking about any um, anything else about expansion or anything like that for us is about you know going back and, and re-establishing some of our innovative projects that we were doing with visitors um, uh, we were working with a, a lot of community organizations we had a lovely intergenerational project that we had to stop with the care home across the road where the children were doing um, joint activities um, with the uh, care home residents uh, so hopefully now with things going back to normal, we want to bring a lot of those very interesting projects back, which um, they're very important pedagogically uh, for Alpha Blocks. And we, we believe that they're also um, really good in terms of the educational benefits that they have for our children. Yeah, it's really important, obviously, to really kind of get that back into full flow, isn't it? Because as you say, the benefits are so, so vast for the children um, involved and I do sort of wish you sort of all the luck um, in the uh, the world in really implementing that, really bringing that back into sort of the mainstream. And um, I think as we start to kind of see that happen, see those projects begin to come back, and then we start to look at what may come even later on uh, down the line. It would be lovely, I think, um, Alexandra, to sort of catch up and have you back on the uh, the show just to talk about how things are getting on, because some fantastic plans you've got there, and looks like there's plenty to uh, to look forward to. Yeah, that, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fantastic having you on the uh, the show today as well. I've thoroughly sort of enjoyed welcoming you on. And by all means, do continue to take care and stay safe with all that's still going on in the world too. Thank you so much. It was Thank an immense pleasure. Me. Yes, absolutely. An immense pleasure having you on, Alexandra. And uh, to everybody uh, tuning in today uh, to the uh, the podcast, um, I do hope that you thoroughly enjoyed the interview just as much as I have. And to those listening in, if you do happen to run your own business or your own organization and you feel that it has its own story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we also want to hear from you. So why not also apply to be on the program via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply um, until next time you've been listening to the leaders council podcast with your host scott challoner take care and goodbye